Well, a pronounced and swift market reaction to the US inflation numbers. Inflation is coming down, but not fast enough. But is January a bad month to base any decisions on? Does the market have to calm down a bit and start talking a bit like central banks, insisting on more data to see the trend rather than knee-jerk reactions? But that's, of course, what markets do, right? Uh, Also, we'll look at UK employment numbers yesterday, the NAB business survey also, and the consumer confidence number, and pricing data from New Zealand today, which is going to be important given that there's one bank at least that thinks rate rises will continue over there. It's Wednesday, the 14th of February. Happy Valentine's Day. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, big moves higher in bond yields after the US CPI numbers. So 10-year treasuries are up 13 basis points now, up to 4.31%. 10-year gilt yields in the UK are up 9 basis points as well. Aussie 10 years, well, they were up just one basis point yesterday, but now on futures, they've shifted from 4.17% up to 4.27%. So 10 basis points higher. Uh, bond yields rising everywhere. The US dollar has climbed 0.7% on the DXY. Again, after the release of those CPI numbers, uh, that's pushed the Aussie dollar down 1.2% to 64.5 US cents, but the euro down 0.6%, the pound down less than a third of 1%. And shares are well down, the Dow down 1.4% at close, the S&P off by 1.4% as well, getting well below 5,000. It was down 2% at one stage, the Nasdaq has lost 1.8%. And the Russell 2000 down by 4% this morning at close. And down in Europe as well, 1.2% off the Eurostox 15, 0.8% down for the FTSE 100. Doesn't bode too well for the ASX today, does it? And oil is heading up, 1.1% for WTI, 0.8% for Brent. So let's talk about those US CPI numbers uh, first of all. And Taylor Nugent joins me from NAB in Melbourne. So year on year, the headline rate is down but not as much as expected. It didn't have a two at the start of it. We were looking for that two, weren't we? Uh, but it's gone from 3.4% to 3.1%. And the core did pick up a little, didn't it, month on month? I mean, it's obviously down on the year-on-year rate. So heading in the right direction generally, but not fast enough is basically it, isn't it? Yeah, good Good morning, Phil. I, I think I think that's right. The CPI is certainly the, the big driver of um, market movements overnight. And I think, you know, Compared to where markets were a month ago, certainly a vote of confidence in the the Fed's you know patient approach. They they want to see more data, and there is um, no. And I think this this release kind of you know speaks to to why the the disinflation process may not be as as smooth and easy as some of that that data over the back half of twenty twenty three suggested. Um, we had core inflation at, at point four first first point three um, expected on the the CPI and you know that means that you know some of those three and six month annualized numbers now looking the trend in those looking a little bit less favorable than they did um, through 2023 um, you know I think the the market reaction is is understandable in in that context we've had fed pricing pushed out there's now less than three basis points priced for for March um, about 10 basis points for May from um, 17 basis points prior to the data and there's now under 100 basis points so of, of cuts priced over 2024 um, as well. Um, but I do think that, you know, it's not necessarily all, all bad news. And I think that there's good reasons to, you know, not take too much signal from the January data alone. 
Um, a couple of reasons for that is when we look at where the the drivers of the surprise were, we had a unusual increase in um, owners' equivalents rents, and so shelter was driving a a big part of the increase. We know that the the more timely data there does signal that the trend should be for kind of you know continued improvement in that data, not a not a reacceleration. Um, and we also have you know it's worth keeping in mind here that the the Fed's preferred measure is the the PCE data, um, and the PCE uh, doesn't take uh some of the same um inputs as as the cpi um and some of the surprises came from differences that probably won't be as meaningful um in the pca shelter has a smaller weight and then other areas that were surprising in january were our strength through through airfares and, and medical care as well which aren't measured the same way in pca um so on that front but this would be so airfares obviously do go up in January. It's the holiday season, but I mean, but these would be seasonally adjusted, so they'd always go up in January. But I guess we've been through a, a you know a strange few years, haven't we? So perhaps seasonally adjusted is a bit more difficult to measure this time. Yeah, so some some volatility that may not show up in the the same way in in PCE, and then you know the other thing with January, of course, there's you know it's a it's a more complicated data print than a lot of others. You've got a lot of calendar year end price adjustments, a lot of prices that are irregularly measured, and you have of, you know potential for residual seasonality as well and so we saw strong january cpi prints in um, the last two years as well um, and i guess you know one silver lining here is that you know today's data was strong inflation above where it was in in january's prior to the pandemic but it is still a lower number than what we saw in in 2022 and 2023 so i think you know all in all you know, it's not good news for the Fed. It, it speaks to the patients that they have. They do want to see more data. When we think about the run of meetings, they get two more CPIs before the May meeting. They've got three more PCE releases before the May meeting. So there is still a lot of data to come in. Um, and I think, you know, it will be interesting to see whether this is, you know, confirmed in, in PCE and in the PPI data that we get on on Friday. Um, because, you know, when you look at the detail, there's plenty of reasons to think that maybe this is more of a blip than a, a shift in the trend. Right. Daniel, for a second there, you sounded like an economist trying to put a positive spin on things. That never happens. Must, must have got you on a good day. So um, what about the way markets have reacted then? I mean, it's not a huge... Huge reaction. I mean, a 10 basis point move on on 10-year yields. Uh, I mean, it could be more, couldn't it? But is, is this, is the, the fact it was just happened so quickly, is this the markets realising, I think you're sort of trying to make this point before, that perhaps now markets are starting to think, well, maybe the Fed was right. Maybe we should be listening to them more and uh, and start pricing more towards what the Fed is expecting. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think that's right. I think it's just, you know, the, the data flow was going to have to go very much in in the favour of showing um, moderation in, in activity and, you know, confirming um, progress on, on disinflation for the Fed to be, you know, cutting as, as soon as March, certainly. We've seen markets moving in, in that direction in response to kind of Fed speak preaching patients recently and, and that that pricing pulled back and i think the market reaction to this data is just you know more of the same um i think you know even though even with all those caveats you know certainly optically here you know there isn't that ammunition for the fed to have enough comfort to be moving very quickly um but you know there still is scope i think for you know the fed to be delivering on their um on their dot plot and potentially um outperforming that dot plot i think the co- the context here 
Whereas, you know, if we think back a month ago, there were over 150 basis points of cusp priced through 2024. It was about 50%, more than 50% chance priced for March. Um, and this is just, you know, more of that same trend and shifting back that that pricing and, and being a little bit more cautious about how quickly the, the Fed can deliver these cuts. So we're going to see the same thing in the UK then, because we get their inflation numbers later on today. We've got the employment numbers that I, you know, seem to show some inflation worries. First off, the unemployment rate actually fell. It was expected to go uh, up from 3.9% uh, up to 4%, but it's actually gone from d- down to 3.8%. And average earnings also didn't fall as much as expected either. So a couple of, you know, in worrying signs for inflation there. Yeah, the UK labour market data, you know, the, we know that the, the ONS had been, um, you know, it had shifted away from the the labour force survey data. There were some reliability issues with that. They've reintroduced that um, this time, but they do add kind of an additional health warning that the sample size is is still low there. Um, but as you say, kind of you know across the board, unemployment fell and lower than expected. Employment a bit stronger than expected, and earnings. You know, they are they are moderating, um, but not moderating as as fast as expected either. Coming in at at five point eight percent year on year versus five point six percent expected. Um, and so you know all. All of that speaks to those risks that the labor market is still is still generating sufficient wages growth to to you know keep give the BOE some inflation concerns. Um, you know, my colleague Gavin Friend in in London did note as well that you know some of this you know is a little bit inconsistent with some of the signals out of out of um, private sector surveys of labor availability and other things. So I think you know again probably still some some ongoing moderation in, in that UK labor market. But we've seen on the day in terms of the market reaction again, you know, the pounds is a is an outperformer against the um, you know, still down against the US dollar, um, but holding on um, a lot better than than a lot of other currencies on the day. Well I think the US, uh, UK CPI is expected to tick up a little bit, isn't it, today? Uh, they've also got GDP uh, in the UK later on in the week. And Andrew Bailey was talking about that today. He was talking to students at Loughborough University and he said he's not too worried if the UK is shown to go into recession because it's only going to be a a shallow one and he'd rather look forward but he warned that weak investment and productivity growth were constraining growth in the economy's supply capacity and that was a cause of inflation and this is what i don't get with monetary policy because you would have thought that weak investment might actually come from the fact that the central bank keeps on pushing up interest rates but anyway that's that's a philosophical question for another day let's look closer to home and some positive news on the home front the consumer confidence read yesterday ticked up from 81 to 86 uh, the nab business survey showed well perhaps the worst outcome because business conditions fell and price growth rises that's not what we want is it but but business confidence also rose so um yeah try and make sense out of that lot. yeah so um you know the business survey yesterday i think you know there's a lot of moving parts in the in the this um Subcomponents, as you say, business conditions decreased um, two points to, to plus six. And that's, you know, now a touch below its long run average was around plus seven. So it's been, you know, well above its long run average for, for quite some time. It has shown, you know, it has really come back down to earth from very elevated levels of, of business conditions, you know, as recently as kind of six to 12 months ago. Um, I think, you know, looking across the detail of, of the data, you know, I think what it's showing is an economy that is, you know, still capacity constrained. We saw, saw a bit of a tick up in capacity utilization that's running at 83.6 and still, you know, comfortably above its long run average. Um, but we are seeing, you know, that 
that current activity has has moderated a little bit. And I think, you know, overall, that's pretty consistent with the the story that the RBA was painting out of the, the February meeting as well, an, an economy that has capacity constraints, that's still generating um, some price pressures, especially across domestic components. And that was kind of picked up in a little bit of a rebound um, in some of the pricing components that that we've seen after some some falls in, in December. Um, but it is an environment in which activity has slowed. And, you know, we see from our, our quarterly business survey as well, that kind of pressure on margins is an increasingly common concern. And so some of these price pressures, given that the demand environment has moderated, not as easy to, to pass through to, to that end consumer. And so I think, you know, it speaks to those same sort of themes of an economy that is moving back towards balance, but one that is is still fairly tight and there's still a lot of capacity constraints out there. Looking forward, you know, you mentioned the, the little bit of a tick up in, in confidence in, in the business survey. It is still at, at low levels, um, but yeah, consumer confidence, um, a, a much bigger pickup as well. So that was up 6.2% in the month. It's now at its higher since, since the 20, um, June 2022. Um, and, you know, when we look across the components there as well, I think, you know, one of the key reasons that we'd been, um, you know, understanding the very, very soft consumer confidence numbers was just the, the impact of, of inflation on, on households. Um, and, you know, with some of those inflation pressures receding, even though they are still there, we saw some of the forward looking measures improving quite a lot and driving some of the uptick. And, you know, the time to buy a major household item line item was the, you know, the biggest increase of the, the four subcomponents components of that confidence index. And that does suggest that similar to have seen offshore, maybe there's a bit of life coming back to the consumer as we continue to make progress on inflation. So strange, strange numbers from Europe as well, because we had the Zoo uh, Economic Sentiment Index for the Euro area, which was higher than expected. It went from 22.7 in January to 25. It was actually expected to go down, but that's up quite a bit. Same for Germany. It's gone from 15.2 to 19.9, uh, you know, despite everything we've been saying about Europe. But that's expectations. The measure of the currency situation well in germany for example it's the lowest it's been since june 2020 so that's actually the situation's actually getting worse but everyone's saying yeah but we think it's going to get so much better so there's optimism uh we get um we get the gdp number as well today don't we but that's like the the next the, the second read on q4 it's, I suspect that's not going to change a great deal yeah yeah so the, the coming up is the yeah the second read of of european gdp for for q4 expected to be similar to the preliminary um release and show you know flat um, activity, so so no growth following a, a you know a very minor negative in in Q3, so kind of you know bouncing along flat, not not eking out any growth there. But yeah, as you say, looking forward, the the, the zoo survey suggesting you know some optimism um, that there could be you know a bit more improvement that in Germany that expectations balance has improved for you know seven successive months now, and so it has has improved a, a fair bit, and you know there is a bit more optimism on on the outlook there, um, and you know the 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 resilient labor market and you know maybe the prospect that you know rates aren't moving up higher potential for some relief from from the ecb through the course of 2024 is is part of that story and finally new zealand uh, house sales today card spending for january food prices and other monthly pricing indicators that is going to be pretty important isn't it if we think inflation is not coming down fast enough and we know you know one bank ANZ, uh, have made that bold call, haven't they, that uh, we'll get a rate hike later this month. So it's going to be very interesting to see what inflation is doing in New Zealand, and maybe this will be a bit of an indicator for us. 
Yeah, so those monthly pricing indicators are a fairly new series, but certainly useful in kind of firming up the the pulse of inflation ahead of the the quarterly data. Um, and yeah, as as you say, markets very focused on them. They have been pairing back the the risk of a, a hike after after um, you know some some commentary from from the RBNZ and and some other um, shifts. Um, but yeah, so that that inflation data key to that story as well. And, you know, it should still suggest we think that, you know, maybe the the risk of, of the RBNZ coming back to the table and delivering hikes has been, you know, a little bit overstated over over the last little while. Mm. Yeah. Well we said it on this podcast. That's what that's what's driving the markets. That's what that's why. Uh, that's why the reappraisal. <laughs> I'd like to think. Good to talk. We'll catch you again soon. Good to have you back on board and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Phil. There we are. That's Taylor just back from his holidays. That's why he's finding the positive in everything. You see, it's worth doing, isn't it? That's it for today. That's the morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow. See you then.